Amen. All the glory and honor to the Son. Amen. Uh, thank you so much. I wasn't expecting that. I, I was reminded as Matt was talking of something I heard my dad say years ago, and I would echo it this morning, that anything that is good, the glory goes to God. Anything that got messed up is because of me. Uh, and that is so true. Uh, we were just talking about that this morning in our, in our Sunday school class, uh, that we are simply instruments through which God can work. Amen. And uh, we owe all the glory to the Lord and, of course, as I said, to the wonderful foundation that was laid uh, long before we got here. And I will just add to that, uh, I thank the Lord for a faithful wife. Um, I thank the Lord for my children, but I'm thankful for a faithful wife who stands beside me and allows me to serve the Lord very unselfishly and allows me to go and do and be and uh, for 25 years, this woman has put up with me. And so don't give me any praise. If there's any glory at all, it goes to the Lord and to this woman who has put up with me for 25 years. So, Well, how many of you read up and, and are ready for Mark this morning? You read ahead of us. Okay, good. Only one or two. Um, reminds me of the preacher who said... He was going to be preaching a message on lying from Mark 17 and, and um, asked the congregation, how many of you have read ahead in preparation for the sermon, to which a number of people in the congregation raised their hand that they had read Mark 17, and to which he said, well, I'm glad to introduce this message on lying because there's only 16 chapters in Mark's gospel. So the Holy Spirit has been throwing some curveballs lately to me. And so I've been throwing some curveballs to you, and uh, that happened again this week in my study and preparation uh, for this sermon. And, and so as I was studying for Sunday morning and Sunday night, again, the Lord just really put on my heart to preach what I normally would be preaching tonight, this morning, and what I would normally be preaching this morning, tonight. So I hope that you will come back tonight. We'll go back and finish Mark chapter 5 tonight. But for this morning, I'd like for you to go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, and I want to speak this morning on this subject, resolved to trust God or resolved to resist worry that comes into our life. And um, Luke chapter 12, we'll begin reading in verse 22. If you're able to stand for the reading of God's word, let's do that together. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. How much more are you better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add, his, add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take you thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they toil not, they spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? 
And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for what our hearts and our minds have been reminded of this morning. And we do give all glory and honor to the Son. Thank you for his atoning death for us on the cross of Calvary and his victorious resurrection from the grave. We live each and every day in light of that. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning through your word, that you would encourage us where we need it, that you would challenge us where we need it, convict us. If there's anyone here today that doesn't know you, has never put their trust in you as their Savior and Lord, we pray that today would be that day. And Lord, for those of us who are your followers in this area where we fail so often, I pray that you would strengthen us and remind us. And Lord, settle some things in our heart today that need to be settled. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Guys, if you can give me just a little bit of monitor up here, that would be great. We come today to one of those passages that is, it's a tough application And that is a resolve to trust God when we have no idea what God is doing. How many of you can give testimony to that, that there have been times in your life when you had no idea what God was doing? No idea what God was up to. And this is something that I have to pray about often in my own life. And I want to to share with you today some scriptural principles, very practical principles that I pray will be a help to you as they have been to me in this area. And I'm not sure what area in life that you struggle with when it comes to fear, when it comes to worry, when it comes to a fail of trust in God, but we all struggle with it. There are so many uncertainties in this life that can bring about an anxious spirit. And listen, if we are not consistently intentional about trusting God, then we will fail and falter in this area consistently intentional. Things change that we have absolutely no control over. And what we do with those changes that come into our life indicate whether trust is prevalent in our lives or whether worry is prevalent. And as I look back in my own life, and I'll be honest with you, this is an area that I have struggled with and still struggle with from time to time. I recognize several different reasons why there are times in my life when I fail to trust God. Sometimes I just become, Brother David, very self-sufficient. We talked about this morning. You get to the place and you experience personal victories and you forget that anything good and everything that good uh, that comes out of your life and comes to your life is, a, is nothing of us and all of God. But the truth is, in our humanity sometimes, we become self-sufficient in our thinking, thinking, hey, we got this. I can handle this. Sometimes I don't trust God the way that I need to because uh, I trust men. Because I become dependent on the team of people or friends or other people or my wife or people that I really trust. And sometimes when I do that, I stop trusting God the way that I need to trust God. Sometimes, and maybe you can identify with this, it's because I feel a little distant to God because you can't see him. 
And sometimes if we're not careful, we fail to really lean into him, to really trust him, to really be intentional about trusting him. And I have found this to be true in my life, that eliminating worry will only come by ongoing intentional plans and a purposed heart. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is one of those passages that is much easier to quote than it is to live out, isn't it? But it is one of those key passages that that gives us such a powerful resource in this regard. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all, in all, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Often in his teaching. Jesus addressed worry and a lack of faith and trust at least 12 times in his earthly ministry. He's recorded of saying, do not be anxious or do not worry or stop worrying. And I want you to look at three very specific statements in our text this morning. And if you have a habit of marking in your Bible, which I do, I would encourage you to mark these three thoughts. The first one is found in verse 22, where he says, take no thought for your life. Would you say that with me? Take no thought for your life. The second phrase is found in verse number 29 where he says, Neither be ye of doubtful mind. Say that. Neither be ye of doubtful mind. And then the last little phrase is found in verse 32 where he says, Fear not. One thing that all of us could give testimony to today is that worry strips us of a lot, doesn't it? It strips us of a lot of spiritual blessings. It strips us, it strips from us the joy of the Lord. It strips from us the peace that we can have that comes from God. It strips from us rest in God. Or as George Mueller said it, the beginning of anxiety is the end of trust. And the beginning of trust is the end of anxiety. Worry, you've heard it said, worry never empties tomorrow of its sorrow, it simply and always empties today of its strength. Chuck Swindoll said it this way, worry casts shadows on your future. Anxiety works like a thief in the dark corners of your thoughts as it pickpockets your peace and kidnaps your joy. How true that is. Our preoccupation with the temporary Our minds that are constantly consumed with this earth and the temporary things has become a great enemy of our trust and our faith in God. And I honestly believe that one of the areas that Satan looks at with great pride is his accomplishment in getting us so busy and so preoccupied with this life and trying to to gather all that we can in this life that we fail to seek first the kingdom of God. You see, this is the trap. The trap is to get us to maximize what Jesus minimized and to minimize what Jesus maximized. To try to get us to put a lot of emphasis on that which Jesus puts little to no emphasis on and to get us to ignore what he puts a great emphasis on. And because of that, we live in a very stressful society filled with worry over temporary things, over things that are not going to last. And we are the most 
indulged and comfortable society yet, and yet we are the most discontent and anxious society. We have all, so to speak. And yet we are a society where over 20 million adults spend over $45 billion a year to help them manage or cope with worry and anxiety. Some of that certainly needed, genuinely needed, but much of it brought on by misplaced priorities and focus. Let's be honest. There are a lot of people today who are medicated, who are simply medicated because they have... They have the wrong focus, they have the wrong priorities, and they have abundance of stress in their life that is brought on by themselves. Personal decisions and choices. And the truth is that worry and fear of man, it's a big deal. It damages God-ordained relationships. It minimizes our effectiveness for the kingdom of God. And worry is devastating, not just because of what it does to us. Listen, it does a lot to us and it damages us and it is devastating because of that. It's, it's damaging to the relationships that God has placed in our life. But more than all of that, it is damaging, please listen, because of what it communicates about the God that we say we believe in and trust. It's damaging because they hear us say, in God we trust. And then... They see us living in fear and worry and fret. Really, what we're saying, although we would never say it with our lips, is, God, I just can't trust you with this. I can trust you with all the rest, but I just can't trust you with this. And you see, worry strikes a blow at the character of God, and it really is one of the great time wasters in our life. Someone said this, that worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. That's true, isn't it? It gives you something to do, but it doesn't push you down the road at all. And in our text, we see really the only two things that occupy our mind are this, the physical world, and that is how what he describes what we eat, what we wear, what we have, the physical world and the spiritual world, which he identifies in verse 32 as the kingdom of God. And really at its core, worry is doubting the sovereignty of God. We'll talk about that more tonight. Doubting the power of God. Doubting the eternal purpose of God. And so then the result of it is massive. I'm telling you, this is a lot easier for me to stand up here and preach than it is for us to live. But how many of you believe that if God has put it in His Word and His Holy Spirit lives inside of us, that we have the capability to do what He tells us to do? We can do it. We, we are in our weakness enabled not by our own strength, but by the strength of God. So stop dwelling on these things and turn them over to God in prayer. Stop letting them consume your thoughts and your actions and speak truth to yourself about the character of God. Trust more. Worry less. Let, let God control And stop trying to control every circumstance and situation in your life. So that all sounds good. How do we do that? 
I think this text gives us very practical ways that if you will honestly take these things home and start implementing them in your life, I believe with all my heart that worry will decrease and trust will increase. Now let's look at them this morning. The first thing is is that we need to understand and, and apply scriptural priorities, which we've already mentioned a little bit, but he talks about this in, in verses 22 and 23. If you were to look on our money, it says what? In God we trust. But the truth is, is that our lifestyles say something very differently than that, doesn't it? Frankly, the stands at the weekend ball fields versus the seats in our churches tell a very different story than that. If we're going to be people of trust in God, then we are going to have to be people with scriptural priorities. If you look back at verses 16 through 20, right before this section that we're looking at today, the Lord is giving a parable about a wealthy man who instead of being a giver decides to be a hoarder and a taker and to tear down his smaller barns and to build bigger barns and because he needed more room for his earthly possessions. And coming out of that parable now in verse 22, Jesus says, look at it. Therefore, take no thought what you shall eat or wear or put on because life is more than food and the body is is for more than just clothing. It's more than raiment. The bottom line is this, church. We cannot serve two masters. We must decide. The truth is that we live in a society that is overdosed on the two things mentioned here, food and fashion. It's all about what we're going to eat. It's all about what we're going to wear. And we as Christians have to make a calculated decision of what we are going to pursue in this life. And yes, the world is watching They're watching to see where we are. They're watching to see what we are chasing and what we focus on. You see, Christian is more than just a title. Christian is more than just living in the South and going to church on Sunday. Christian means that God has changed my life because of my repentance from my sin and my trust and faith in Jesus Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. All things are become new. And it means that we have a changed life. It means that we have changed priorities. It means that we have changed pursuits and changed allegiances and a change in investments and a change, frankly, from being a taker to a giver. A change in focus from earthly to heavenly. Notice what Jesus says about this type of person who is earthly focused in verse 21 and mark this phrase. It's a powerful phrase. He says he lays treasure up for himself and is not rich toward God. He is not rich toward God. What a sad statement to be said about a Christian, isn't it? That, that we are not rich towards God. That we are not consumed with God. In the parallel passage to this in Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's eternal. 
and His righteousness. That's spiritual, eternal. And all these things shall be added unto you. And so we have to honestly ask ourselves the question this morning, what do we focus on? Being rich toward God or being rich toward man, towards our peers? Paul was a man that struggled just like you and I did. But he said in Philippians 4.11, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. How is he able to say that? Because he came to a place in his life where for him to live was Christ. That was his priority. That was his sole purpose, his sole vision. And so there were times, he says, that I had an abundance of things. God had blessed me tremendously with things. And there were other times where I didn't have anything. But the truth is that in either state, I have learned to be content because my priority is the kingdom of God. And listen, when we trust God, we experience what the psalmist meant in Psalm 23 When he says, and this is one of those passages we just know and quote and read, but we don't really think. The Lord is my shepherd. Say the next phrase with me. I, do you believe that? I shall not want. And we experience a peace and a purpose that temporary things will never deliver to us. Understand, number one, and apply scriptural priorities. Number two, understand and trust the source of our provision, verses 24 through 26. Now, in order to stress this point, Jesus gives us an illustration of a bird because a bird can't go and plant a harvest. A bird can't build bigger barns. A bird is completely dependent on God. And listen, how, how easy for it, is it for us to remember that what we have, listen, what we have ultimately doesn't come from a company. What we have ultimately doesn't come from government. What we have ultimately doesn't come from, I was a hard worker and I just pulled up my bootstraps and worked hard and that's why I have what I have. No, what we have, we have from God. He is the source of our provision. Birds are, listen, birds aren't lazy, right? They're in constant motion. They're always working. They're always busy. But they're totally dependent upon God. And in verse number 24, Jesus reminds us that we are... We're dependent upon him as well. Look what he says. How much more are ye better than the fowls, the birds? Look, our our worry is often a result of not only misplaced priorities. I would say a lot of your stress and a lot of my stress comes from misplaced priorities. I think it also comes from misplaced trust. Look here for just a second. At some point in your life, I don't care who they are. If you put all of your trust in a human being, they will fail you. Every time. I will fail you. Your spouse will fail you. The person that you think is the closest person to God, the character of God, they will fail you. 
Don't misunderstand, trust is needed in our human relationships, but we must remember that there is only one completely trustworthy person in our life, and that is Jesus Christ. Stop looking for it in someone else or something else. God does such an amazing job caring for us. Our trust must remain in the God of heaven. And I thank God for the wisdom that God has given doctors. I thank God for the doctors that are in this room. But the truth is that man can't add one moment to our lifespan without God. That's what he says. That's what he means really when he says cannot add one cubit to his stature. He's really saying he can't add one moment to your life. Do you know that God was in control of the day you were born and God is in control of the day you die? He already knows it. He's a, how many of you believe he's a sovereign God? What that means he's in, he's in complete control. You either believe it or you don't. He knows your birth date. He knows your death date. God, not man, is the source of our provision. The psalmist said in Psalm 34.10, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Listen, seek you first the kingdom of God. Make him your priority. Say, as Paul did for me, to live as Christ. And I can promise you, based upon the word of God, that he will provide every need that you have. I didn't say every want, but every need. And there are many people today who are sitting at home. They're sitting at home today refusing to worship God with the people of God because a person disappointed them. A man disappointed them. A fellow Christian disappointed them. And I'll tell you ahead of time, it's going to happen every single time that you decide to put your trust in man. Understand and apply scriptural priorities. Understand and trust the source of our provision. Number three, understand the security that is found in God's power. Notice the phrase in verse 28. O ye of little faith. That that phrase was used several times by Jesus when the disciples were in the boat and the storm came and they were filled with worry. We just read that several weeks ago. They were filled with worry and fear. What was it that Jesus said to them? Where is your faith? In other words, why do you doubt my power, Shane? Why do you doubt my ability? Have I not proven to you? And let me ask you, church, has God not proven to us time and time again that he is the all-powerful God? No? What about the storms that rock our, our world, our universe. Oh, that just happens. No, friend, it comes from an all-powerful God. Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. All oh, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heavens by thy great power and stretched out arms. Say this last part with me. And there is nothing too hard for thee. Say it again loud. There is Do you believe that? Say it again. There is nothing too hard. Tell yourself that. 
Remind your heart of that. Remind your, your mind of that each and every day when Satan bombards you with thoughts that this is too great and this is too big and this will never happen. There is nothing too hard for our Lord. There are many people who fail to step out by faith. Because fear has gripped their life. I I love the old song that Dottie Rambo wrote and I was reading kind of the history of it today in a very low moment in her life as she was walking along the beach after a huge storm where many things were brought up onto the shore. She was reminded as in her own life that there were storms in her life but she was sheltered in the arms of God and she wrote this this phrase so let the storms rage high and the dark clouds rise they won't worry me why for i am sheltered within the arms of God he walks with me notice this phrase and not of earth shall harm me for i'm sheltered in the arms of God listen I'm begging you if, you, if you miss everything that I say today, do not miss this and drive this into your thinking process. There is no situation too hard for God. There is no addiction too hard for God. There is no financial situation too hard for God. There is no family situation too hard for God. Remember that old song? Old spiritual, we used to sing it when I was a kid in Sunday school. He's got the whole world in his hands. 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 He does, doesn't he? That's a repetitive song. Not much meaning to that song. Really? He's got the whole world in his hands. Fourthly, lastly, understand the safety found in God's plan and God's pleasure. Notice in verse 30 and 32 the reference to God as our what? As our Father. Verse 30, our Father knows that we have need of these things. Verse 32, mark it. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Listen, isn't there great peace in knowing that God, your Father, is in the driver's seat of your life? That tonight we can go to bed, this afternoon we can go take a nap, And we can rest in the sovereignty of God. Say, how do you do that? Your mind isn't consumed with temporary things. You realize that there is much more than just waking up tomorrow. There is much more than having the nicest clothes. There is much more than just having a, a good reputation or a good, a good job, a power position in town. There is much more to that. And it is our Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. All of us 
All of us who are fathers in the room, we want to care for our children. We want to provide for them. There were times in our lives where we've worked two or three jobs. We spent countless hours, probably more than we should have, trying to do more than just provide for them. But it was the desire of our heart to provide for them. How much more do you think that God cares for you and desires to provide for you? And listen, I'm not talking about physical. That's, that's minor. He will take care of the physical things. But how come when we think about the blessings of God and God's taking care of us, we always think about the physical? There's much more than that, church. The greatest blessings in life are not physical. The greatest blessings of, in life are that you and I, because of Jesus and His death and resurrection and His purpose and His plan, that we have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. That's a spiritual blessing. The fact that we can go home today and, and choose which, which, which Bible am I going to read today? Which, which copy am I going to read today? Listen, that is a blessing, a spiritual blessing that God has given us. The peace and the joy that we have in our heart. These are the things. These are the provisions that He has given us. And He wants you to experience the riches of His spiritual blessing. And listen, the truth is sometimes He has to take away the, the human things that we're trusting in. The physical things. The earthly things that we're trusting in. To remind us, these things will never bring you joy and peace and happiness. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Do you hear me? The kingdom of God is not physical things. But it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Our trust in God adorns the gospel that we proclaim. And it magnifies the God that we worship and in opposition to that, our worry brings question to the gospel that we proclaim and belittles the God that we worship. We waste, we waste so much of our time on worry. Somebody has said that we waste 40% of our worry is on things that will never happen. 30% of our worry is about things that happened to us that we can't change. 12% of our worry is about what people say about us. And 10% of our worry is about health problems, which worsens by our worry. There are no surprises to God. Do you believe that? Matt, come ahead and you can begin to play. There's no surprises to God. Would you say that to your heart right now? There's no surprises to God. Would you say this? God hasn't messed up. Do you believe that? God hasn't failed. Which list is longer for you? Your praise list or your worry list? Every day when you get up, where does your mind automatically go? The things of this earth that you have to do, the things of this earth that you don't have, 
for the blessings of God, the spiritual blessings from God. Look, the daily patterns of our life say a lot. They, they tell the real story of what matters to us and what we put our trust in. What we invest in says a lot about what we're trusting in. Well, I, I put all of my money into my family. Listen, your trust doesn't need to be in your family. Take care of them, but point them to God. My energies go into making sure that my kids are a good athlete. Listen, do you know the percentage of kids that will grow up and be a professional athlete? Really? Is that what we're going to show them is the most important thing in our life? Listen, I, I know this is hard and we don't like it. But we need it. You say, I don't like that. Well, one day, when your child is completely consumed with athletics and things, and you have missed everything for that, instead of missing that for God, your kids will recognize it. And you'll look back, I've seen it hundreds of times, you'll look back and you'll say, I wish that I would have had a different focus. I wish I would have had different priorities. The psalmist said in Psalm 118, it's better to trust. You say, are you against sports? No, I played them my whole life growing up. I think they're very beneficial. There's things in them that are great. Great character builders. Don't let them become a god. Don't let ball become bail because it has in a lot of people's lives. The psalmist said this, it is better to put, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Hey, if your trust is in a politician, Lord help you. Yeah, the one with the, the sticker who you have all over your car. God help you if your trust is in Him. I promise you, He will fail you. There's only one who will never fail you. And maybe today you, like Paul was at the moment, you just want the thorn removed. Lord, just remove this thorn from my life. And God says, no, I'm sorry, I can't remove the thorn. But I do give you this promise. Church, listen. My grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Lean into me. I learned this a long time ago when... And there's so many people who have harder things in their life than what we've gone through. I, I often hesitate to even talk about things in our life because they're so small to a lot of things people have gone through. But I remember when the boys were born with the liver disease and we were going through all Jackson's surgeries and there were times I asked God, why, why, why are we going through this? And I heard somebody say something that really 
really shook me and really changed me and changed my thinking. They said the things that we often ask God to change are usually the things that God uses to change us. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. God, I'd, I'd like this different. God says, no, I'm going to use this to change you, Josh. You need to be changed. Not your situation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And trust and faith is where it all begins. I've spoken mostly to Christians this morning, but let me just say, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that's where it begins. You'll, You'll never... Trust Him for all these other things unless you trust Him for salvation. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, would you drive these thoughts into our heart this morning? Would you help us by your Spirit to be people with eternal priorities? Would you, Lord, remind us again that You are the only trustworthy one, completely trustworthy. And may we not look for other people or other things to provide that security that we can only find in Jesus. That our safety is found in your plan and your pleasure and your purpose. And that truly your ways, which are different than ours. They are higher than ours. Lord, I pray that we'll be people of scriptural priorities, that the world will see it and they will they will believe what we say about our God because they see it. In the arms of God. Father, thank you for the rest that we can have in you. And I pray that as we leave here this morning, that we will be your courageous ambassadors. Lord, give us boldness and strength to share the good news of the gospel with people. Lord, how their eternity can be changed. And I pray, Lord, that our lives would back up our message. And I pray, Lord, that you will use us today. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage the hearts of Christians today. I pray, Lord, that if anyone doesn't know that they are a child of God, that they won't leave today without settling that matter in their heart. There's nothing else that matters more than that. This life is short. Eternity is forever. God, drive that into all of our hearts and minds as we leave. Bring us back this evening together as we worship and study again. We love you and we thank you for all that you've done for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.